Hey everybody and welcome back to the Suburban Urbanist. This is episode 4, which I will be talking about the mining and use of demographic data. I think I mentioned on the last episode that I was going to be uh, giving a workshop presentation at the Ohio Township Association Winter Conference uh, in, uh, in a couple of weeks. And, uh, this is the topic that I will be covering, the mining and use of demographic data. I thought I would go ahead and give you all a sneak peek into the topic uh, as I go in and prepare uh, to, to do that workshop. So I, I hope you enjoy. I, I think demographic data is very important, but I'll get into all of that uh, in a second. As always, I can be reached at uh, suburbanurbanist at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, uh, ideas for future episode topics. And the website, the website is live at suburbanurbanist.com. Check it out. Um, you know, in the future, the episodes will be listed there. There will be, uh, you know, written content uh, for ideas that I don't necessarily turn into two episodes or... Um, perhaps uh, ideas that aren't fully fleshed out yet uh, for what I think is a full episode, but I, I did have a couple of thoughts that I wanted to at least get down on paper. You can find them there. So check it out, suburbanurbanist.com. And with that, uh, let's go ahead and do this thing. Uh, episode four, the mining and use of demographic data. My goal for this presentation is to detail the importance of demographic data and showcase how uh, local governments can mine that information and utilize it even with limited resources, which if you work in government, you know your resources are always limited. The idea for this topic came from a workshop that I was attending some time ago, which was led by two site selectors who presented specific demographic metrics that they use to determine where to locate companies. The event was attended by uh, several economic development professionals from across cities, villages, townships, counties, etc. The question that they posed to the audience was, do your economic development organizations have these demographic metrics readily available, or at least do they know how to access the information quickly in order to respond to site selection requests for information? Only about 25% of the crowd said that they did or they could get this information, which was astonishing to me. I think it's absolutely impossible to effectively run an economic development organization without a deep understanding of the community and the people that make it up. Demographics are essential to that understanding. Oftentimes, when these requests for information come through site selectors, responses are often needed in a matter of days, if you're lucky. Sometimes it's a matter of hours. And knowing and understanding demographics is vital to growing a community. I would argue that when talking to a business attraction prospect, uh, economic developers, and other government officials should be able to list the specific demographics off the top of their head. Now, I understand that there's always going to be a time and place to say, you know, I'm not sure, I'll follow up with you about that. However, if one has to say that about a common demographic criteria, like 
total population, it reads to the prospect as a lack of understanding about your community. Stats and data and being able to fire them off at any given moment lends credibility and emphasizes your expertise. You know, we as a society are smarter today than we ever have been in history because of the amount of data that we can capture and analyze. With that enhanced ability to get data, it's playing an ever-increasing role in government decision-making. And there's some really great things that are happening around data and smart cities around the country and, uh, you know, for me, in Ohio. The amount of data that's being captured in the dashboards that, that organizations are creating are really raising the bar for other communities in terms of open data platforms and those smart cities initiatives. For today's purposes, though, I'm not going to get into those things and certainly not going to get into smart cities because I would consider this workshop to be the prerequisite to that or the 101 course on data that uh, because it's specifically focused only on demographics. The smart city stuff is much more advanced and uh, lends itself to a, a whole nother discussion. The reason I'm focusing on demographics versus the other data is because no matter how smart communities are becoming, you know, you need a foundation. You need that base level of understanding about a community that comes from demographics. Um, and those governments need that foundation to properly serve their communities. In fact, I would, I would venture to say that when it comes to government, I think demographics are the most important data to have. But what are they? Demographics give an analytical snapshot of the people that make up, make up a community by detailing socioeconomic information such as age, education, gender, race, labor force, and income. This data is collected through the US Census, uh, which uh, hopefully you know counts every resident in the country and is mandated by the Constitution and takes place every 10 years with the next one scheduled to take place in the year 2020. And it's quite the task. The Census Bureau, when they conduct the census, uh, is required to count uh, an ever-increasing diverse and growing population. I think right now it's around 330 million people and more than 140 million housing units. So to get an accurate count, the Census Bureau must build an accurate address list of every single housing unit, maximize self-response to the census, and efficiently follow up with those who do not respond. In preparation for this, uh, the Census Bureau has been reaching out to local communities, so you may have had some discussions about this already if you work in local government. Uh, to see how those communities can assist in maximizing responsiveness and limiting the need for them to follow up with households. Between the censuses, uh, the Bureau conducts what is called the American Community Survey, and this is an ongoing survey that provides the government with very important information on a yearly basis about our nation and its people. Information from the survey generates data that helps determine how $675 billion in federal and state funds are distributed each year. Through the ACS, we are able to know more about jobs, occupations, educa educational attainment, veterans, uh, whether people own or rent homes, and other topic areas. This information is extremely important because demographics have a wide-reaching impact. With this data, public officials and administrators, planners, uh, entrepreneurs, and others are able to access the past and plan for the future. And that planning could be things like hospitals and schools, supporting school lunch programs, 
improving emergency services, building bridges, informing businesses looking to add jobs and expand to new markets. Demographics are also used for determining federal aid, school funding formulas, property taxes, and the drawing of voting districts. So, as I mentioned previously, as an economic development professional, I feel I need to know the answers to several demographic questions right off the top of my head, so that when I'm talking to a site selector on the phone or out and about, I can answer them properly and advocate for my community. And those questions might be, what's the total population? What's the median age, poverty rate, median household income, percentage of people in the community that have at least a bachelor's degree? Now, if you're not an economic development professional, then you may not need to have this right at your fingertips. But I would venture to guess at some point, whether it's for a report, a master plan, a project, a grant application, etc., you're going to need to understand the demographics of your community. So, for example, um, I don't know, you may be familiar with the Opportunity Zone program, but just in case, I'll provide just a quick uh, refresher on what that is. The Opportunity Zone program was established by the Investing in Opportunity Act, which was part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of December 2017. And this program was created to revitalize economically distressed communities using private investment rather than taxpayer dollars. Uh, the demographic or the designation criteria for this program was rooted in demographics. I won't get too far in the weeds on what that is, but essentially the criteria restricted designation of opportunity zones to census tracts that had a poverty rate of at least 20% and a median family income of no more than 80% of the statewide median family income. So in government, whether they're trying to get an opportunity zone designation or applying for things like community block grant funds, you know, demographics, again, are very important to understand. So how do you find this information? Well, I'll admit, mining demographic data can be tedious and inefficient if you don't know what you, where to look or what you're looking at. There are paid programs that you can get that may be easier to use, but the information you're looking for may be located on several different reports and you would still need to put in the time to combine them into one. While these paid programs may be a little more efficient, I don't believe that the trade-off of paying for this service is worth the amount of time saved, especially since, as a public official, you know, it's my job to be accountable for how tax dollars are being spent. And these programs can be expensive, and what you're paying for is free information, which for me is the biggest problem. I cannot justify to myself the idea of paying for free information. Plus, if you're more analytical and like to get in the weeds evaluating and analyzing data of your community as I do, getting the data yourself uh, can be fun uh, and ensures that you know where it's being pulled from and that you can control the formulas when doing um, additional analysis. So if you agree with me and you don't want to pay for a third-party provider, then you can find demographic data for free at a few different places. But the number one place, especially for uh, very small-level data, whether it's township or census block or census track, is to go straight to the source and visit the American Fact Finder. American Fact Finder is the Census Bureau's online self-service tool designed to search population, economic, geographic, and housing information 
that's gathered through the Census American Community Surveys and all the other surveys that uh, the Census Bureau conducts. So I'm going to try to sort you through kind of how American Fact Finder works. Uh, since I've used it extensively, it's pretty simple. So this walkthrough is going to be going to be pretty simple. Uh, but I encourage you just to you know find some time, just go around, uh, you know, get in there, dig your dig your hands in it, and and just kind of figure it out. It's not it's not overly complex uh, to kind of find the information that you're looking for. So once, but once you're on the, the FactFinder website, I would suggest going to the advanced search. And, and this will lead you into the full database of information from all the available surveys that the Bureau conducts. The amount of data that's there may be intimidating, but I assure you, once you apply a couple of filters, you'll be well on your way to analyzing that data. There is also a guided search option for those who may prefer. I have never used it, so I cannot speak to it, but there is that option and you may, it may be something that you want to try out. I think the, the first filter that you should apply once you're in there is the geographic filter. Um, and again, so this could be US, it could be state, it could be county, it could be MSA, uh, city, and, for me, for a township like the one I work for, that would be listed under county subdivision in the geographic type. And you can go down as small as a census block or census track. And once you have that selected, you know, fill out all the forms. So if it's, say, a township, uh, you would select uh, the geographic type of county subdivision, and then you would select the state and the county. And then uh, it'll populate, auto-populate a list of townships in that county, and you select the one that you want, and you add that geography to your selections. And that'll filter the entire database to only show the data sets that have information for that geographic category. Once the geographic filter is applied, you can narrow even further by selecting which data set you want to look at. So the most up-to-date demographic data uh, at this point will be the five-year estimates of the American Community Survey. Uh, once the 2020 census comes out, that will obviously be the most accurate and um, up-to-date data. But until then, it will be the American Community Surveys. Uh, I'll get into what the five-year kind of estimates are in, in a minute. But from there, so once you've selected what data set you want to look at, you again have a narrowed list of items to choose from and you can click through those to find the information you're looking for. So what should you be looking for? Well, after attending numerous trainings and conferences, uh, the most common demographic characteristics that I have found to be important to understand include number one, total population. I think this one's obvious. Uh, total population is a major indicator for economic health. If an area's population is growing, it's a sign that the economy is doing well. If the area is seeing population declines, then it's likely experiencing economic hardship. Uh, then there's uh, diversity elements. So population by race, population by sex, uh, and then age distribution. These things speak to diversity of the community, which I'll showcase later is an important factor when thinking about ensuring policies that are representing all interests that may exist in a community. And furthermore, understanding 
age distribution can help highlight whether policy changes and management actions might affect some age groups more than others. It may also highlight the need to understand the different needs, values, and attitudes of different age groups. So if an area has a large retired population or soon to be retired population, the needs and interests of the public are gonna be different than those with a large number of minors or young adults. Uh, the next aspect is poverty level. And this simply helps a community understand the need for things like job creation, affordable housing, education, and more. And then there's a, uh, quite a few school categories that you wanna look at. First is school enrollment. And this helps identify the need for new schools to be developed. How many kids are in school? What grade level are they at? It's educational attainment. Uh, you know, education is one of the most important indicators for potential economic success. And the lack of education is closely linked to poverty. So if there's uh, areas that are not seeing a population go beyond, say, uh, high school equivalent, then they're more likely to have a higher poverty level than other areas that are seeing people with a high amount of um, you know, graduate degrees or bachelor degrees achieving that. Also, understanding differences in education levels can highlight whether certain people might be disproportionately impacted by policies, plans, management actions, and can inform communication and outreach efforts. Next would be field of degree. Uh, field of degree is kind of like the second stage to educational attainment. So for the population that has achieved a degree, this dives a little deeper into understanding that workforce. So you can target specific industry clusters based on the type of educational background that your workforce has. And then there's, uh, you know, speaking of workforce, there's employment and employment by industry. And a community needs to understand the amount of labor that it's in, a local, in the local economy and if they're participating in the labor market. And employment by industry, like field of degree, helps understand industry clusters that exist in the community. So if you have a large segment of the population working in things like computer science, then you know that you have an industry cluster there and you can target computer science companies to come into your area. And finally, there's income factors, household income, which could be median or average, per capita income and earnings. And understanding earnings and income are just, again, signs of the health of the local economy and can aid site selectors when choosing to locate in specific area. So you can use those items kind of as search terms to find the information that you're looking for. And uh, you know, as you click into those different areas, you'll also be able to see historical data. Uh, should you want to do things like trends analysis and or project the future? Um, so those that'll kind of that's how you operate American Fact Finder. I know it was brief, and you know I, there's much better resources on how to navigate American Fact Finder on the U.S. Census Bureau website. So if you still have questions, I would recommend going to there and just kind of you know spending a little bit of time understanding how to kind of figure your way out, so that when you do have a request for information come in, you you understand okay. I know how I feel comfortable diving into American Fact Finder and finding out what I need to know. And the good thing is, once you have this information, it's good for you know a, a period of time. 
the ACS comes out every, uh, you know, uh, approximately every year. So once you mine that data, it's going to be good for at least a couple of months before the next American Community Survey comes out. So you really, if you focus on those key categories, then, you know, you have them. You can set them on your desk, understand them, use them, and we'll get into how you use them in a minute. But, you know, you already have it, and so it's there, and you only have to do it once a year or uh, once every few months to, to make sure that that data is up to date. And so for those that might be in rural communities and, and wondering, you know, our population is really low, like, is there going to be any information for us? Well, yes, there is information in there for you. And I, I would argue that rural communities, it's extremely important to know this information, uh, or at least just as important as, as any city, uh, because, you know, there's there is an attraction element that rural communities have. So, for example, according to Select USA, which is a government-wide program led by the U.S. Department of Commerce, international companies are looking more and more to rural America for investments. And there's reasons for this, and those, uh, those reasons are that uh, rural areas offer lower business costs, a higher quality of life, and the ability, uh, the availability of natural resources, particularly if rural areas are located near major airports, interstates, or ports, these areas can be extremely competitive in the selection process. So why do you want to attract these companies? Uh, the average value of an FDI project in a rural area is 89% higher than those that are in a more urban area. And the average number of jobs created by an FDI project in a rural area is also greater than that in a metro area. So there's a lot of upside to understanding your community and attracting, you know, foreign direct investment. That's what FDI stands for, if I didn't explain that. Attracting foreign companies to invest in your, in your rural areas. So as an example of a rural community that uh, has demographic character, characteristics in it in American Fact Finder or the Census Bureau American Community Survey. I went ahead and I looked up Jefferson Township, which is the state of Ohio's least populous township. And I'm just going to run through the key demographics real quick. Total population, 50 people. The median age, 53%. Uh, it's a 100% white, non-Hispanic uh, rural community. It's 52% female. 46% of the population is between 60 and 64, with 28% of the population between 50 and 54, and then 26 between the ages of 15 and 19. Uh, there are 13 kids that are in high school, uh, no other school enrollment uh, in that county. Educational attainment, 51% have some college but no degree, 19% have as an associate's degree, 30% have a graduate or professional degree. Of those graduate and professional degrees, 100% of them are in science and engineering. The total labor force is 37. The total labor force participation rate is 100%. Uh, employment by industry, there's 19% in finance and insurance, 30% in professional scientific and management, 32% in education, healthcare, and social assistance, and 19% in public administration. 
the median household income is about 46,000. Average household income is about 51,000. The average earnings are about 45,000. And the per capita income is about 26,000. And once you have this sort of data for your community, what you can look at is how it compares to US levels and state levels. You know, is the per capita income or average earnings or average household income higher or lower than the state or higher or lower than the, the national average? And there's, you know, so you can kind of compare your community against others. So, but when you're collecting this data and you're looking at this data and you're like, well, there's only 50 people, you know, how can you guarantee the accuracy of this? Well, obviously the most accurate demographic data that the government is able to collect is through the census. But since that happens only every 10 years, there is a heavy reliance on the American Community Survey to provide the estimates in the in-between years. And the American Community City Survey takes only a sampling of two and a half percent of all citizens and makes single-year uh, and multi-year estimates of demographic, housing, social, and economic characteristics. So there's one-year estimates, three-year estimates, and five-year estimates. There's uh, on the U.S. Census Bureau website there's a chart that breaks down what it is, but basically uh, the five-year estimates takes the survey data from all five years and makes the, the estimates the three years takes it from three the last three years of the survey and makes estimates and then the one year just takes a one the one year two and a half percent sampling and and makes the estimates and because these estimates are based only on a small portion of the population the accuracy of the data then uh, can be compromised especially as you get farther out from a census year so the whether or not you have the the one the three or the five-year estimates is based on the size of your population and so you know since i will be speaking to uh ohio the ohio township association usually the townships i think there's only one township in ohio that has more than sixty thousand in population and and that's the trigger to have at least or more than the five-year estimate so 60,000 and below you only get the five-year estimate this however though is according to the census bureau the most reliable estimate that the acs is able to generate and the reason for that is that it uses samples as i mentioned from the previous five years to make the estimates meaning the estimates are based on the largest sample size available through the acs now, still, those samples represent a very small portion of the entire, you know, population. So there is a margin of error that is included in that. So the three-year estimate would be less accurate than the five-year estimate, and then the one-year estimate would be less accurate than the three-year, and so on. And so with data accuracy being a concern, you know, you could have, you could have issues. And uh, I'm going to share an example with you. So, as I've stated in previous episodes, I worked for the city of Cincinnati, and while I was there, I created an interactive dashboard detailing the demographics for Cincinnati. And at the time, it was based on the 2015 ACS data. Well, shortly after the release, I was asked to take it down by the city planning department. And the reasoning for that was prior to the 2010 census, the city, on their website, was advertising ACS population figures. And when the 2010 census was released, the population did not meet what those estimates said. So it looked as if the city lost a significant amount of population, when in reality it didn't. 
It was simply that the ACS overestimated population growth in the city. Um, but despite the concerns over accuracy of the data, the ACS is still vital to understand because of the role that it plays in decision making as noted earlier. You know, they, they base a lot of funding uh, based on these estimates. So, you know, yes, you have to question the accuracy, but you still have to understand them because decisions are being made off of those estimates. So unless you can count all the people and get all that information on your own by doing your own survey in your community, it's kind of the best resource that you have to find this information. So now that we've, uh, you know, kind of looked at how you get it or what you should be looking at. So once you have all this information, you've got it compiled, what can you do with it and or what should you be doing with it? Well, the first thing is to make sure the demographics are informing your community's long-term vision and priorities. One of the ways to do this is to ensure that your community's strategic plans have a demographic trend section. You know, if, you, if that demographic trend section showcases the data sources properly, it uh, points out the key points that the data is showing and, you know, the vision and priorities that are laid out in the plan are based in the analysis of that data, then the relevant trends in the demographics show, you know, how the plan is being, how those are driving land use policies. If those things aren't happening, well then, you know, discussions need to be had with relevant staff and stakeholders about what trends are impacting the future of the community and determine if those are driving the strategic planning process. Essentially, you know, these things should be driving that strategic planning process. And so you can see, okay, the you know, population is growing. We need to have a strategic plan for that and that sort of thing. The next is to determine if you're representing diverse interests. You know, as I mentioned, demographics will showcase the diversity in your community. In order to properly serve the community, it's beneficial that planning boards and committees reflect the diversity of the community with respect to age, gender, race, income, and other characteristics. If if you have if this information is true and the and, and your boards reflect those uh, that diversity within your community, it shows that your community is committed to representing all segments of the community and understanding the issues that affect them. If the boards and committees don't reflect the diversity of your community, then you need to do outreach to include these groups um, to make sure that they're included in the policy formulation process, so you can ensure that you're, you're really trying to form policies that, that have a positive effect on all people, no matter age, race, uh, sex, et cetera, education level income. The next thing you should be doing is telling a story and marketing your community. And I'll get more into that in, you know, in one second. But one of the, it's one of the most important ways to use data is to tell a story. And this can be through marketing efforts to site selectors or using the data to justify policy decisions and projects. Demographic data, when properly showcased, can have a great influence on decision makers, investors, developers, and the community in general. And finally, there's further analysis that you can do. I'm not going to dive into this, but you can use data along with a couple of other sources to perform deeper analysis of your community, such as retail void analysis, psychographic analysis, 
and more. Again, that's a whole other workshop. But the foundation for those things is rooted in demographic data, which again shows just how important that information is. So if we go just backtrack for a second to the idea of marketing your community, along those lines, an economist, personal favorite of mine, uh, named Charles Tebote, presented a political theory model in his, in his A Pure Theory of Local Expenditures. And, and that theory hypothesized that people sort themselves according to similar preferences for public goods. Uh, simply, this means for me that businesses and people sort themselves based on what the community looks like and what services are offered. And this can be equated to the old real estate phrase about location, 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 which just isn't about where something is on a map, but you know where a community is in relation to other communities, what it offers in terms of services, the quality of life, the local amenities, and the amount of opportunities that exist in this community. And so like, in order to help businesses and people make that location decision, you have to market your demographics. And there are several ways that you can do that. One is the easiest way is just to put it on your website and it showcases it for the sea. But you know, deeper than that, depending on your technical skill or resources, you can produce videos and brochures to send to businesses, post on your website, uh, send to stakeholders, use a meeting, share with elected officials and more. Uh, I did this, I created a video for my township that, you know, just essentially was nothing more than taking pictures that I took around my township, uh, kind of put them into a, a sort of video slideshow thing and did a voiceover on top of it. It uh, wasn't too incredibly difficult to do, but it, it kind of takes takes those demographics and, and helps you, you know, write that story about your community to really to help market your community. And then finally, there's social media. And the, the growth of social media as a platform for mar marketing has expanded the outreach communities can have to market themselves. And since I believe demographics should be an integral part of that marketing, there's no reason not to advertise demographics on your various social media accounts. And so, you know, those are just a couple of ways that you can market your community. But, the, the you know, to kind of wrap this thing up, Demographic data is the base level data that your community should be collecting and relying on to inform decision making. It's extremely important. It's free. It's not all that hard to get. Uh, you only have to look it up, you know, once a year. And it really should be driving strategic planning efforts because so many decisions at all levels of government are made based on these things. And so, you know, it's, it is extremely vital that you understand what your community looks like through the demographic characteristics that I have. So that kind of does it for today. Uh, thank you for joining me on this episode of The Suburban Urbanist. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, in, in every other episode, I can always be reached at suburbanurbanist at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, ideas for future show episodes, or even, you know, have a blog idea for me, uh, feel free to reach out um, and I look forward to hearing from you also the, as I mentioned the website is live and you can go and find me at suburbanurbanist.com uh, I appreciate you listening and spending your time with me today and I'll, I will catch you on the next episode thanks <laughs>